This is Jenny Allen, and you are listening to the Made for This podcast. Hey guys, this is Chloe. Welcome back to another episode of the Made for This podcast. Today, you guys are going to get to hear a conversation with Beth Moore and Jenny. A couple weeks ago, Jenny and I were trying to figure out who would be the perfect person to have on the podcast to talk about this enemy of noise in our lives and how we can combat that enemy and fight it with the God-given tool of time in God's word. We're super excited, you guys, because she actually just came out with a book called Chasing Vines. It's her newest book about abiding in God's word. And as you're going to hear in the show today, she's going to talk about what that has meant in her life, what her quiet time looks like with the Lord. This conversation is actually part of a much bigger conversation that we are going to tell you guys more about in coming weeks. So make sure that you are subscribed to Jenny's email list. You can do that at JennyAllen.com. We hope today's conversation encourages you and challenges you and just presses you to spend time with God on your own. We will put a link to the book in the show notes too. go into your time with Jesus and okay. what that looks like. I know it's regular for you. What does it look like when you spend time with Jesus? Okay. Well, I have to begin by saying everybody gets to have their own thing going with him. So I, I'm yes. the only reason I'm ever reluctant. And I, lo- I love to ask this question of people because I'm so intrigued yeah. by what another person's pursuit of him looks like. And we get so many good ideas from one another. I love that. And so I, I want to share for that reason, but I just am going to say up front, nobody gets to put this on themselves and go, I guess that's what mine's supposed to look. No, let this develop for you is what I would say to somebody early on. But for now and probably consistently for some amount of years, this is basically what it looks like. So I am an early riser because I'm just in that by my makeup, by my chemistry, but also because I truly do want the very first words I hear spoken to be scripture and not what the world's going to tell me. So I come from a lot of stuff. And my life has never just found its groove where everything's just smooth. So I'm what he's used with me over and over again is I'm desperate enough to need to get up. Yeah. I, I really need this time. So I set the alarm pretty early. And what I do, I, I don't know if this appeals to anybody else, but I go real quietly into my living area in my house and I take my things. I've got them kind of in a little box where I've got my journal and I've got my pens and I've got my Bible, a couple of other things that I use. And I sit it down on my kitchen counter, but I use a tiny little lamp. So I want everything else dark. Oh, I love that. So I have this, I mean, tiny, the bulb is not any bigger I than that. I am stealing this because nothing else. Nothing else. Hollers at you. Nothing. I can't even see anything else. It's good. All I can do is it bends like this so I can adjust it. And so it bends right over my Bible and I've got my journal next to it. So it's just, I mean, it is me and Jesus and it is nothing else because I cannot see anything else in the room. I'm having to use my phone to even go where I'm going to, my flashlight on my phone to even get where I'm going. Then I turn on my tiny little light so it's right there. My usual practice, I, I love devotional books. I've been through a million of them. I love going through somebody's where they've written some kind of uh, curriculum that is that works in the time I 
take in the morning. I love all of that. Just listen, if we're with Jesus, there's not really a terrible way to be with Jesus. (laughs) Just enjoy, enjoy it. Ask him to give you the enjoyment of it. That's one of the things that I want so much to say to someone. Ask him to cause you to love that time and to make it the greater reality than anything you'll see that day. But for me, my normal practice is I am reading through a book of the Bible at a time. And sometimes I do the year thing where I'm going by a plan, but it's not my favorite thing to do. I do it. I did it last year. But my favorite thing to do is... Because you have to hustle. Right. And I I really am wanting to slow it down a little more than that. So I just take... For instance, so the first of this year, I would have read uh, Genesis and Exodus, and then I went and did Matthew and Mark, and I flipped back and forth between the old and new. So I've just been just here recently because I got on a stint in the New Testament. I've been in Ezra, Nehemiah, Esther, and now I'm in Job right now. And I take usually, sometimes a little faster. Job, I'm taking a little faster because it's intense, but normally just a chapter. And so I'll go through a gospel like that, one book at a time. And then when I finish it, then I go to another book of the Bible. And so I've got my journal open and there are certain things that I pray for daily. I'm always going to pray for my family, always. And so I'm going to, and I'm going to lift them up by name. So I'm going to do that anyway. But for a lot of what I'm praying, I am taking the prompting from what I'm reading in the scripture. And one of the things that has really worked for me through the years that I want to encourage someone, maybe this uh, idea really would work for someone. I like to picture that it's dialogue. What I do is I feel like that God is speaking to me through his word and then I'm talking back. So in my Bible reading, I don't read it as a reader. I read it as a conversationalist. Mm -hmm. So he's, I'm reading Genesis 12, for instance, that's going to be the call of Abram. And so I'm going to be reading it and I'm going to be talking with him through it. Oh, Lord, I just love that he didn't even know where he was going to a country. I will show you. So I'm talking back and sometimes I'm doing it out loud or sometimes I'm doing it with a pen, but everything's dialogue. So all the way through the reading, I'm talking back to him and I'll stop for a moment and I'll underline a passage and just sit with him on it. Like I've been in a portion not very long ago that I just said to him, I have no idea what this means. I don't have a clue what this means. And every now and then, I've told him before he's been reading parts of Judges, there are parts of Judges and I just want to go, what, what is happening here? This yeah. is so upsetting right. to me. It's so upsetting. It's so upsetting yes. to me. But I, I just, I love that vibe that we're just, that we're in a conversation. Yeah. He speaks to me through his word. I'm going to speak back to him. And when that happens and when I engage like that. I mean, it goes like that. I bet. You think you can't. I mean, who could pray for a solid whatever? Well, you could. Yeah. Anybody could. Once you are, I, I love to ask people, do you really believe he's there? Yeah. Because why wouldn't you talk to him if right. he's right there? Right. Yes. In, in John 11, Jesus says so, something so interesting. He's about to call Lazarus from the grave and he says, he prays. And he says, listen, I'm putting in my words, I know you hear me, but for the sake of those listening, would you show your glory here? You know, and so then he calls Lazarus and he comes from the dead. 
And I, I just love it because remember when the disciples said, Lord, teach us how to pray. And if there was anything a, a Jewish man knew how to do was pray. They were taught, they knew how to say their prayers from the time they were five years old. They'd memorized them. They knew how to pray. So it's the oddest thing, how, tell us how to pray. I think the point was they were saying, tell us how to pray like you pray. Because yeah. when you pray, they had seen him lift his, he would lift his face toward heaven. It was like, you see who you're talking right. to. And I love that. So. Sometimes when I'm feeling dry and dull, sometimes I'll even turn my chair out. Like I, my chair sits toward my kitchen island table. Sometimes I'll just turn away from it and turn out and go and just talk as if he yeah. was standing right in front of me. That's how we do things. So I'm incorporating the two, writing out my prayer requests. And I, I believe strongly in a really active intercessory life. And the reason why, and I'm not one. You're good at this. I don't sacrifice praying for myself and my family for this. I believe in, I mean, why, all of it. why don't I get to pray for all of it? Right. Listen, I do pray for myself yeah. because I'm the only one I'm going to answer for when I'm standing there when it's all over. So I don't, I don't know where people get that business that they never pray for themselves. I hear that every now and then thinking, all right. <laughs> <I'm>, arrogant. <laughs> it's yes. terrifying to yes. me. I mean, terrifying, yeah. but go on with your bad self, but yeah. I'm going to be praying for myself yeah. and praying for my people. But one reason why I have a little section in my journal that I use for people who are, are sick or grieving. I have another one that is for my church and another one that's for friends. And it says friends I, I, on the top. I've kind of done this style for years, but Jenny, you, your name has been written in it so many times, so many, many times. And it helps my world stay larger and yeah. gets me out of that narcissism yeah. and self-interest and just reminds me that there are a lot of people out there and uh, people that I know that are fighting the good fight mm. and I wanna be there for them in prayer and, and gird them up. And so that's, that's basically it. And one of my other disciplines on an ongoing basis that really helps me, and again, I don't want anybody to get any condemnation on them, it's just, what I'm after is a very fluid, to me, abundant life is there's just a, a lot of Jesus in it that I am aware of that. And I don't mean that I always feel his presence. I know I what you mean. But that it's active and it's, yeah. we're we're doing the thing together. And we're choosing it as we go, right? Absolutely. I mean, yeah. When Absolutely. you get in my car, like t Tim Keller's voice comes on a lot. Absolutely. <laughs> there's a sense Absolutely. of like, I need to be fed constantly. It's and not enough that. to just sit down and study my Bible. No. It's like, by the time I get to noon, I have some anxiety or worry every time that I need people fighting for me in preaching. And, Absolutely. You know, Absolutely. And that's helped me just to view it as that. Because if we view it as war, then we view it as what do we need as we go? And that anxiety now is deeper than just the concern for my son. That, that anxiety is is taking away my peace that's supposed yes. to yes. be an overflow, you know? There's yes, and it's waving a red flag at the enemy. To me, what my anxiety, because I have the same tendency, and I always feel like what the enemy knows as soon as he sees me have a near anxiety attack is that I am having a breakdown in trust. Yeah. That it will, anxiety is always control related. Always, always. It's that somehow I, I want to control that situation so badly and I, I'm not God and I can't. Mm. And it's that scrambling for it. But I, I would say to anyone, okay, what does it take in your spiritual disciplines? Because we're never going to outgrow them. And this is one of the things that every yeah, generation has to good. pass down to the next. 
yes. is that there are a lot of ways, a lot of methods, uh, a lot of different ways that we do things today. Our worship sounds different than it did 25 years ago, but the basics of us having a prayer life, us having a consistent time in the scriptures and considering, just considering some intermittent fasting here and there, these things, they don't go out of right. style. Right. There's still is no, there's no way around Amen. them. Amen. 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 I don't care. You want to abide? Yeah. It's got to be with, with those things. It, yeah. it is. We're not going to you be can't equipped. You can't escape them. No. Yeah. The way we're going to be equipped in our calling, he already told us, is we've yeah. got to be in the word and you'll be equipped for every good work. And so these things have got, so what I would say to anybody, what gets you where you have a consistently alive relationship with him? Mm. What keeps you girded up in that and keeps you feeling pretty alive in him? And there, I had this conversation with someone just yesterday that was asking me something about, she said, you've just, you know, you've maintained such a passion for God and for the word. How do you explain that? And I said, well, because he's gracious and merciful, because he taught me early on to pray for it. So I pray for it all the time. Mm. And I was telling her, I said, I also, I said, it's not that I don't get dull and get where it really didn't do anything huge for me that morning. But I said, I am going to tell you, I don't let that go long. Probably about three days into I feel dead spiritually, I'm probably having a fit. <laughs> and I do mean literally, yeah. I'm going to be on the floor Begging and I'm him. going to say to him, I don't, where I don't know what's wrong. Yes. Well, David, yeah, it's like, where are you? Absolutely. <laughs> and I'm going to confess yes. not only my sins, right. I'm going to confess the sins of everybody I know right. as my sins. I'm just like, what, yeah. what's got me like this? So, you know, you're fighting oh, for it. But I love that, though. I, just, I look back, Jenny, I have kept journals. I have one from when I was a newlywed. Yeah. So this would be before I had kids. I've even got one that was... No, I've got one before I married. And uh, it's so precious that it makes me cry mm -hmm. every time I read it because it's so simple. <laughs> I and I keep asking him in my young motherhood, I look back and over and over in my journal, I ask him to please <laughs> give me a better disposition. <laughs> you know, what I'm knowing, looking back, is it, girl, you needed a nap in the worst way. Right. You know what I'm right. saying? Right. Just like, please, Lord. Help me to be sweeter <laughs> when Keith comes home. It's just so, it was so, the simplicity of it. But right. Sheer exhaustion. And, you're like, sheer exhaustion. You're like, baby, it's going to get better. And don't you know? <laughs> yes. I, I would want someone to know that. that yes. One of the things that yes. we talk about in Chasing Vines that I think is so important, it's one of the most important concepts in the book, is that God enjoys watching things grow. Yes. It is a huge principle in the book. Yeah. Because I think we think that God is only pleased with us when we're just like at the height of maturity. Right. And that all that time he's just been like, Whew, you are taking that. You're taking forever here. Yeah. You're taking forever here. I underlined it's, it. It's not that a, I think he's he's not looking for a store bought tomato. No. Like he wants the, he wants the real thing it. raised by his own hands, hard one as it is. Yes, I loved that. That his that picturing his sleeves pushed up, just and, pushed up, and, and he's in it. He's tilling and tending, and yes, Jenny. So <sighs> that all of that that would have in those days, yeah, fifteen minutes probably max. I don't look back on that and think, why didn't girlfriend spend an hour? Right. He thought that was precious. Yeah. What? 
And I want somebody to understand so that. Good. Don't despise the growth process and that don't despise that you're like, feel so awkward when you first start learning to yeah. pray. Like, what am I supposed to say to him? Well, well you know, start with just right. hi. Lord, yes. You know, one of the things I say to him, I always say it this morning. I just say, "Good morning, Lord." It's one of the first things I say. Yeah. Just "Good morning, Lord." Good morning. Every now and then, I ask him how he is, and he never does answer me. But you know, he just like still here. But it's just whatever. He's he loves it. He loves it. And no, he doesn't love to watch us ruin a season of our lives with all manner of right. poor decisions. I'm not talking about that, but I'm talking about trying to find our way and all the toddling. Which of your children right. would you have wanted to just bring home from the from the hospital as young adults? Right. Not one of them, Jenny. Right. When they were just laying on you and couldn't do anything, right? You just thought you're the most marvelous. Right. I love that about him. I want to talk about how this book began for you. Okay. And it was a wonderful trip. Yes. With your daughters. Mm. You're going to so relate to what I'm about to tell you. I cannot wait. Because okay. I could not get enough of that. Trip. Okay. Now I'm about to have to go back to the sundial to tell you what time okay. it is. <laughs> okay. Because this I'm anxious to tell you about because you're going to understand what I'm talking about. When we are in a ministry that causes us mm. to travel some. Yeah. And consistently, for me, it was yeah. two Friday nights a month. Now it would be the equivalent of about four to five nights a month. And several of those come in pairs and then a random night somewhere along the way. But I still don't travel a whole lot more than I used to. But for any of us that have had this calling that we're also moms, yeah. Yeah. there's been the process of, you know, I got to say bye to these kids. Yeah, it's the worst part of the job. It is. Yeah. And even though all those early years, but this is, mine started when my kids were little. Mm. I was already, by the time I was 25, I was very much doing what you would call Christian motivational speaking. Mm -hmm. And I really didn't turn into a teacher. Some would not think I turned into one yet, but <laughs> until my later 20s and early 30s. But I was very much motivational speaking. And so they were little. And I, so I was leaving them with their daddy. And usually for only 24 hours, but still there's that thing of, oh, God, I'm leaving my kids. And oh, then there's yeah. getting back to the airport. It's delayed and you feel Ugh. like you can't get home. And there's the young mom that's, you know, it's yeah. going to cry. I cried to yeah. the guy oh, yeah. at the desk. Oh, yeah. And go, no, oh. I, I've got to get home. Oh, right, right. She's putting on her prom dress, right? You don't I, have to go. And have you seen yeah. my husband do a ponytail? Right. <laughs> no. I know. I mean, it's I'm just like where you're just having a meltdown yeah. <laughs> over it. So you have all of these years. So I thought for years, one day I am going to stack up frequent flyer miles until I can take them on a dream trip. And it was important to me, even though I could have swung it financially. Right. If I had really, but it's, you wanted it connected I wanted to the it cost. connected to the trip. Yep, I did for all the that. times, even to this day, with them fully grown, with their own lives, they still know their mother is just traveling her tail all over the place, yep. and so there's still that thing of mom still leaves, and so uh, I just wanted it to count. So it was so important to me. So I just watched those miles, watched those miles. I had just really, I had stacked them and stacked them for so long. And so I began talking to him, said, dream trip, dream trip, dream trip. And where would we go? Well, we tossed around lots of different things, but we decided on Italy. And we decided it has to be 
places we've never been because we've done a fair amount of traveling as a family, but it's always been work related. Always, always. Jenny, I can, you know, people that travel like we do, we do not give ourselves the luxury right. of vacation. You trips. come home. Yeah. You come home. Yeah. And everything, that. you don't take any other time off. Right. Your time is with your family and that's just it. Yeah. And whether that is a great thing to do or not, that's what right. we are compelled as mothers to do. So we'd never just gone without working, without doing anything. And so we started planning this trip and we planned it before Amanda was pregnant with her third child. And then so everything came to a screeching halt and we waited again, needed to get her to a couple of years old before we left her. So we right. putting it off a little bit more. But I got those two girls who are, I love to be able to encourage some mom about this because I hope I word you think, oh God, well, I, I don't, what will they turn out to be? Your best yeah. friends. I, yes. Your best friends. They're my best yeah. friends in all of life. Yeah. My most trusted compadres in this world. Yeah. And it's an odd thing to have given birth to your best friends. Right. You know, you don't see that coming for a long time. But, and they're the people I enjoy the most in the world. They're the yeah. people that make me really laugh hard and yeah. sometimes cry hard. And so we all boarded a plane together and headed uh, to Italy, started in Florence and uh, went to, oh, all the, we, in a course of about 10 days, we went to five of the major places that you would know of where we, mm -hmm. everybody had said, Positano, that's gonna be your very favorite place. The iconic uh, mountainside mm -hmm. where all the houses are nearly built into the mountain and then there's that gorgeous blue water, all of that that people had talked about. But that just was not my favorite. The, they had planted us. I didn't really just have time my life goes so fast and so hard. I had not thought through what we were really going to do. Mm -hmm. I, I, I didn't care as long as I had those two girls mm -hmm. and as long as we could have uninterrupted conversations right. as long as we wanted. Yeah. And so we get driven, we get picked up and we're told, well, you're staying three nights. We had a friend who planned it all for us as a travel agent. You're staying three nights in Tuscany, okay? Well. We were right in the middle of a vineyard and I couldn't believe my eyes. We could not have planned it this way. Could not have, we would have been smart enough to know it. We came at the tail end of the grape harvest. So we were in, uh, it was late September. That's exactly when they're picking those grapes. So the very last of the harvesters were going through the rows of the vines. And Melissa said it beautifully. She said, you know, I've never been impressed with pictures of rural Tuscany you know, those rolling hills of, of vineyards. Because she said, I never thought it looked real. She said, it yeah. was real. Yeah. I mean, she it said, I'm staring pretend. at yeah. where you wake like up art. in the morning yeah. and, the, and the fog is laying like a blanket, like a feather blanket, a comforter over those vines. And they're this gorgeous, bright green and gold. And then these plump, gorgeous uh, purple grapes. It, it's so painful. It's so beautiful. Well, I was mesmerized. Mm. And here's what got me, and I, I tell this in the book, and I don't mind telling this part because I won't give away too much of where it goes, but this is what got me. So the first morning, so we spent the night there. I got up the next morning, watched the sunrise over that hill. There was no way I was missing that. And I just was like, okay, just kill me here. Kill me here. I mean, let it end right here. I'll never see anything more beautiful than this as long as I live. Just looking at all those vines uh, and all those rolling hills. But that first morning we were there, 
So the taxi driver comes and gets us, a young, darling woman, Italian, of course. And she was so excited that we were Americans because she said, I wish I could do her thick accent because she said, I love to, to drive Americans. And we said, well, why? And she said, because I love to practice my English. <laughs> and so she practiced it on us. And so we drove down right from our hotel that's tucked in. It's a very small hotel, like a boutique hotel. We go down the hill and we come around and we're right next to a vineyard where the harvesters are going through and they're mm -hmm. clipping them. I nearly crawled out the window. I'm just plastered to it, just plastered to it, just watching them and watching the process and watching them put them in the baskets. And so she says, I will tell you something about vineyards that you may not know. And I said, what? And she, very, very thick accent. She said, the grapes, the love of the rocky soil. Mm -hmm. And it was done for me. Yeah. I don't know how to explain it, but when I knew that Jesus had said, mm. had made that comparison of vines and vineyards, and when I come to find out that grapes don't even grow well under good conditions, they don't. That You may have heard the saying before, stressed vines make the best wines. Mm. This is what they mean, is that if you don't stress the vine, it just produces leaves and it just has the best time and it will produce no grapes. Mm. It just produces leaves and it just loves itself. It's just like oh. more leaves and more leaves and more leaves and more leaves. Wow. The only reason a grapevine will ever produce grapes is because it thinks it's dying and it's reproducing. Wow. And so it thinks life's going to kill it. And so it has to be stressed. So it's its wow. soil isn't great. Its conditions aren't great. It has to be put under stress or it never does produce. And Judy, yeah. I don't know how you would describe your life, but I'm going to tell you I something. Know. I have never lived life outside of what would be a bucket stress. of rocks. <laughs> yes. Everything's been rocky. Yeah. Why? Why? But everything's been rocky. And I was sold. Yeah. That was when I knew, oh my gosh, I'm bitten. And this is never... This is never going to go away. And mm. so it stuck. Yeah. Well, and it changed the way I view that relationship with God. I mean, that that idea that he places us, he completes it. Yes. He's got a plan. That was another yes. theme was this isn't by accident. No. Nothing is by no. accident. No. You're placed in a specific soil yes. with specific circumstances. Yes. And that fruit will come. Absolutely. And that will. fruit, you may not see it, you know. That vintage year, yes. you may not, I mean, you may you not in your lifetime. No. Yeah. No, but you can know it's, it's going to happen. You know it's going to happen. You know, Jenny, I want to say something to you in case you are wired a little like I am because we've seen similarities in our conversations before, and I know somebody would uh, be able to relate that sometimes we don't think it's appropriate to take much notice of something fruitful. Mm. It just seems like humility would feel to us like, okay, just, right. you know, here you go, Lord, I hope that. And so somebody says to you, man, that really meant a lot to me. And we just go like, good, I'm so glad God did that. And we don't, you know, we want to shy away from that. One of the things that we learn in the book that I loved so much, and I'm trying to practice it, is that God meant for there to be joy mm. in a harvest, that it it doesn't please him for us to act like that wow. there was nothing fun about finding out that it actually worked. 
Yes. You know, Jenny, I don't know. Yes. You may not have oh, that bent. No. But I it have it so that way. bad. I, do I have too. it so bad. We've had to like just, discipline ourselves at our absolutely. office where we are going to stop and we are going to celebrate. Are we going we have to, to build rejoice? It. Yes. He, 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 all he's looking for is that we don't take credit. Right. He wants us to take yes. joy, yes. rejoice in it. Take long enough yeah. to go, Lord, look what you did. Yeah. And stop and go, Mitty, you, you performed a miracle here. <laughs> That, that that message you got to be part of or that group project, whatever it may be, did he bring you through? No better way to say it, did the thing work in yeah. some way? Did it benefit somebody? Then rejoice instead of acting like, oh, no, I, I don't want to do that. I might uh, offend God and act like I'm too happy about it. When he's going like, are you kidding me? Just don't take credit for it. Yeah. But rejoice. And God would tell them, you see it in the book where, where he would tell them in the in the end gathering, when they would gather the produce from the vines, he would say, and you will come and you'll rejoice before your God. Mm. And I don't know if that's a game changer to anybody else, yeah. but it was to me. It really was. Yeah. We're missing the best parts, right? I mean, oh, yeah. And it's part of the, what perseveres us. Oh, gosh, yes, it is. Joy's always coming. Weeping may endure for not, but joy's always coming. Hey guys, this is Chloe. Before you turn off your podcast today, I want to tell you about the Dwell app. We are so excited to partner with them this season because we believe in this tool. If you ever wake up feeling like, I just don't feel like reading my Bible today, you are not alone. And the Dwell app can help you with that. It is an audio Bible app that has interchangeable narrators. It has interchangeable music that you can set to the background and it has playlists. So you can either just listen straight through the Bible. They have a Bible in the year plan that I'm doing right now and it alerts you every morning. Or if you wanna listen to some of their playlists, they have playlists for going to bed or when you feel anxious or about your identity in Christ. It's just such an easy way to spend time in God's word and we know you guys will love it. And so what's really extra fun about this is Dwell has given us a discount code for you guys. If you go to dwellapp.io slash Jenny, J-E-N-N-I-E, you can get 10% off the yearly plan. And guys, I think it's like $29 a year and you get 10% off just for being a Made For This listener. So head over there and download the app and let us know what you think. 